God is good. And all the time. Amen. You know, I've been in ministry for many, 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 many moons. Maybe a little, little more moons than that. And every single Sunday that I stand up on this altar, laid bare before the Lord, I get nervous. I shake to my bones praying, dear Lord, let it be your word and not mine. As to his life verses, uh, I must decrease so that you, our Lord, may increase. Amen. I know our brother Rob is going to be bringing the word today. And uh, I praise his name because, well, I praise God's name, not Rob's. <laughs> because in the short time that he's had it, in the walk with the Lord, he has literally turned full 180. And uh, as they say back in the 80s, sold out, uh, sold out, hooked on, hooked on Jesus. And I praise his name because God is, God has just been pouring into Rob. And, and I know that uh, today it's not going to be Rob's words. It's going to be God's words. Amen. So without further ado, Brother Rob. Minister to us. It says, caution, pulpit top and glass is loose and moves easily. Do not grab or pull. It will be repaired soon. Well, I don't know if this thing's going to make it through. Good morning. Uh, just uh, some thank yous are in due, uh, are, are due uh, for the folks that brought uh, my family meals for about a week and a half. I just wanted to say thank you. Some of the folks came more than once uh, and it was a big blessing for our family and an encouragement. So thank you for that. And um, a special shout out to Nancy Solis for organizing, organizing that and uh, just everything she does with the Care Commission. Thank you, Nancy. And then also for uh, Brother Tom and Brother Victor, Tom, for substituting for me at the prayer table. Thank you, brother. All right. Uh, so we're going to look at the preaching of the Christ. That's the title of today's sermon. And we're going to be in Matthew. So if you have a Bible, uh, please open it to Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't have one, there should be one in front of the uh, in front of you in the pew. So the title of the sermon is the preaching of the Christ. All right, Matthew 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. 
saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill for truly, I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Once again, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. 
For either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, that they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish he will not give him a snake will he if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him in everything Therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for bringing us here. I pray, Lord, that you're with us as we uh, read these words, that they would be convicting to our heart. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that they would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that we would live out the truth that is taught here. I thank you, God, for your son, that he came and died for us on a cross. We ask for forgiveness of our sin in his name, that you would uh, allow us to be clean in your presence as we learn about you. Uh, God, please be with us. Help us to learn. I pray, God, that you... Um, let my my words only be your words and that you would close my mouth if I say anything except what you want me to say. And anything that I say that is incorrectly, I pray that you deafen the ears of the listeners. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right. Some I had told someone this morning, I think it was Marcus, that you're going to hear the best sermon ever in the history of the world. But it's not going to be mine. And that's what we've just heard. Uh, I thought a lot about just breaking it up and um, teaching on a, a verse or two or picking what I thought I wanted to talk about from each chapter. But I was convicted that we need to hear that message in its entirety. This is the word of God spoken through his son, Jesus. And it's an evangelistic gospel uh, message. That's what Jesus did with his life. He was a he was a preacher. And he preached a gospel message to anyone that would listen. He went everywhere. He went to the slums and he went to the, the synagogues with the highest elite, the wealthy, uh, the poor. It didn't matter. The dregs of society. Anyone that would listen, Jesus preached that message to. So uh, this is the, the message that we're going to focus on this morning. And we'll see what we can, uh, some truths that we can draw out from it. Um, so I'd like to start with an opening illustration. And I'm going to argue today that there's three kinds of people in the world, three kinds of people. There's people that are on a broad road and they're headed down this road. And at the end of that road is destruction. There's death and doom and destruction, complete annihilation. And they are just walking down this road. That's the first set of people. The second group knows that there's destruction at the end of the road. And they are walking along beside these these people, the first group, and they are warning them, turn back, death, destruction, get off of that, that road, you're going to die, get out of there. And they're walking alongside that first group. That's the second group. The third type 
they they also are, are not on the road. Um, they know that there's destruction down at the end. They're not in any danger of that. Uh, unlike the second group, they're they're off to the side watching this interaction. They're safe. They're not down that road, but they're sitting there and they're watching this other group try to warn these people that are on their way to death. That's the third group. Those are the three kinds of people in this world. So we're going to look at the main points that we can draw from this. And this is what I'm going to argue to you today, that you would hear my words and that you would allow them to enter your heart and your mind. The first point is that the kingdom of heaven is real. The second point is that hell is real. And the third point is that Jesus is the one who decides who enters the kingdom and who goes into hell. Very simple and straightforward. Before we get back into our three chapters and we look at some some verses a little deeper, uh, I want to go through just a real brief introduction of Matthew. Let's start with a broad look at the text and then go down deeper into our individual uh, scriptures. So first off, the introduction of Matthew, the author is Matthew, the tax collector. He's also known as Levi. The date of the writing is, is it's the mid to late 50s A.D. with the earliest proposed date as 50 A.D. The purpose of the gospel, the gospel of Matthew was written to account for the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. It was to inform the reader of Israel's error in the rejection of Jesus while clearly demonstrating Christ's rightful kingship over the people of Israel and over his people as the Messiah. The gospel was written as an apologetic to the Jews regarding Jesus as Messiah, the king. This is a didactic gospel, meaning it is intended for instruction. It is instructive. It is inclined to teach or lecture others. It is teaching or intending to teach the reality of the gospel. This is the purpose of Matthew. Some of the themes of Matthew, the genealogy of Christ, God in the Trinity. God is a major theme in in Matthew. The kingdom of heaven, where just what we've heard from the Sermon on the Mount, we see that phrase several times. The kingdom of heaven is is used 32 times in this gospel. A major theme. Uh, Jesus as king of Israel. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees, error of the Sadducees. These were the highest religious leaders and they didn't believe in the resurrection. The righteousness of Christ and how we can uh, understand that in our own lives. The rejection of Christ and the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. These are the themes of this book. Now we're going to look at the historical context to paint a picture of what the realities were before, during and after the writing of this gospel. We're going to start with Jesus. So before the gospel, Jesus is crucified between 30 and 36 A.D. Then we're going to look at what was what was written before and after it. And then we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote his epistle to the church in Rome sometime around 56 A.D. The epistle of Paul to the Romans. And Matthew was written after this, but before Luke. Luke, the physician or Luke, the historian, uh, because he included so many historical details that we can verify by the facts of history. He wrote his uh, thorough investigation of the death and resurrection 
of Christ in his gospel around 60 AD. That's the gospel according to Luke. Now, Romans was written during Paul's third missionary journey to Christians living in Rome. Paul wrote Romans while in Corinth in 56 AD. Matthew is written likely while Matthew is in Jerusalem. And then we look back at Luke. Luke was written in Rome in 60 AD to Theophilus shortly before the book of Acts was written in 61 AD. It was written in Rome as a follow up to Luke's gospel. It ends abruptly with Paul's imprisonment. So likely written then. Then a little after the writings in the year 66 AD, the Jews of Judea rebelled against their Roman masters. The rebellion is crushed under the reign of Nero, who's the emperor at the time. A few years later, in 70 AD, the city of Jerusalem is ransacked by the Roman general Titus, who is the son of the new emperor Vespasian. And the temple is burnt to the ground and destroyed. This is the historical reality before, during and after the writing of the book of Matthew. Now, let's look at the context in the Bible canon. Where does this book fit in our scriptures? Well, obviously, it's the first book in the New Testament. It's the first of the four Gospels. It was written after Romans, but before Luke. We know now where it's at in here. And then for our chron- uh, you know, chronological order, we know where uh, in the time period. And there's so much more to talk about. But this would be, uh, this would be a, a sermon that could take up to a year in a series to preach if we looked at everything. Now we're going to get into the text. The immediate context we can see is Matthew 4, 23 and 25. Jesus is ministering throughout all of Galilee. He's proclaiming and healing diseases. He is healing and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to large crowds. To sick people, demon possessed, epileptics, paralytics, whom he has healed. Large crowds are following him. Many, many people from beyond the Jordan, it says. In Syria, which is an area northeast of Galilee, uh, the Decapolis, which is kind of like a conglomerate, five cities of Galilee east of the Jordan, Jerusalem and Judea. Now, the main point and implication uh, of the Sermon on the Mount is this. The main thesis of the Sermon on the Mount is that there are positive and negative eternal consequences. It's based on our faith and obedience in Jesus as the Lord. According to the sermon, the positive eternal consequences are the rewards in the kingdom of heaven and entrance into the kingdom. The negative eternal consequences are the punishment of the fiery hell and the denial of the entrance into the kingdom. The sermon centers on the laws of God and walking in obedience to them. Obedience to the law results in reward and entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Disobedience to the law results in being placed in hell. And it's not entering the kingdom. Jesus makes it clear that professing in him is Lord is not enough for salvation. But true saving faith in him as Lord is salvation. True salvation and faith is demonstrated by walking in obedience to the law. He is not talking about works based salvation. You are not saved because you do good works. You are saved because you have faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now, that may seem like a contradiction because it's difficult to hear Jesus tell us that you have to walk in obedience to the law. You are going to walk in obedience to the law if you are truly saved. And that is the point that Christ is making. You're saved by the grace of God through faith. And it's a gift of God, not the result of any works. So let's be clear on that. Now, several phrases are repeated throughout the preaching that Jesus uses to make the point in the sermon. In the beginning of the sermon, the phrase blessed are is used repeatedly to point out that the kingdom of heaven is what is in store for those who live for God. Jesus repeats the term kingdom of heaven to qualify the fact that those who are obedient to his laws will be allowed entrance into the kingdom. And we see that in Matthew uh, chapter five, verses three through twelve. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The kingdom of heaven is real. Jesus states several times that God the Father will reward them in the kingdom. Jesus also uses the term hell several times. We will be held accountable for our actions, words, and thoughts. Our words come from our heart. We can skip down a little in chapter 5 and look at verses 21 and 22. He says, You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Hell is real. Jesus gives us valuable instruction in modeling our prayer and teaches us that we should ask the Father to intercede on our behalf through prayer. As we practice forgiveness in our lives, we are forgiven by the Father. Turn over to Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Christ says, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Jesus teaches us a way of reconciliation with God is forgiving others. We are commanded to treat others as we would want them to treat us. We can see that in chapter 7, verse 12. He's saying, in everything, therefore, therefore, everything I've already said, listen, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. That is the law and the prophets. Every commandment, everything a prophet has ever said is satisfied in that remark. Jesus uh, is teaching us. Jesus warns the audience that the consequences for not living out their faith and obedience are eternal. They, there are 
eternal consequences. And we see that in chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is the one who decides who enters the kingdom of heaven and who will go into hell. So again, number one, the kingdom of heaven is real. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. We'll look at a few more things. I'll get you guys out of here. John 14 verses one through three. In the context of comforting his disciples, Christ says this, John 14, one through three. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. There are literal dwelling places in the Father's house. Jesus is preparing heaven for believers. There is a literal heavenly home that Jesus is is preparing that we as believers may live together with him. The kingdom of heaven is real. Number two, hell is real. Turn over to Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. 11 through 15. This is in the context of the great white throne of judgment. The Apostle Paul is is relaying to us what he's been shown by Christ. He says this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it and from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We will be judged according to our deeds. Without faith in Christ, our deeds are meaningless. Hell is an eternal reality. Hell is a real place and it is the destination for all unbelievers. Number three, Jesus is the one who decides who enters the kingdom and who will go into hell. Let's flip over to Luke, Luke chapter 12. We'll look at a couple things in Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses four through five. Luke 12, four through five. This is in the context of Christ's warning about hypocrisy. He says this, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after they have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. 
Fear the one who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus has the authority to cast into hell. Jesus is the judge. He is the deciding factor. His name has been raised to the highest position. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And then if we look down just a little further, we'll stay right in Luke 12. This is our last verse. Luke 12, 49 and 53. 49 through 53. Luke 12, 49 through 53. Christ is talking in the context, he, he, in the context of warning uh, about the cost of discipleship. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I have come to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth? I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother-in-law. Or I'm sorry, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So what is he saying? The image of fire is the judgment of God. Jesus came to save, but will come again to judge. Jesus will bring God's judgment into the world and pour it on top of the world. The greatest proof for the day of the Lord, God's wrath on the world, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now. It started when God incarnated himself into the physical world in the person of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus came to divide. He has already begun dividing and is separating out those who will be saved believers and those who will be condemned unbelievers. That's the truth from the word of God. That's what I'm arguing for this morning. And with that truth, uh, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge the believers and I want to challenge the unbelievers. So I sat in this church for four years as an unbeliever. So I know that there are some now who are not saved, who are in here listening. Uh, I've been to this church going on nine years, eight years. I got saved four years ago. So that first four years, I was still living the life of an atheist. There's really not such a thing as an atheist, but I told myself I was. So let's think about that opening illustration and what we have learned this morning. What kind of person are you? What are those three categories do you find yourself in? Are you on a path of death and destruction? Are you warning the people to get off that path? Are you saved? Are you saved, but you're on the sideline not doing anything about it? You have to settle in your own mind what group you fall into. Here's my truth challenge for the believer. This is for the believers. Walk in obedience to the laws of God according to the salvation which you've been called to. In all things, we are to treat others as we desire to be treated. Share the good news of salvation 
with family, friends, co-workers, classmates. Share the gospel with anyone who will listen. Anyone who will listen. The point is, don't put faith in Christ in the closet and hide it from people. Put that faith on display for all to see. For we are the light of the world. The world is darkness and we as saved, uh, regenerated believers in Christ are the light that is going to shine into the darkness of the world. Christ likeness is the goal for the unbeliever. Repent and believe and be saved. Turn away from the path of sin, the path of destruction Turn to Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness and put all trust in Christ and turn away from the path of annihilation. Christ died for our sins so that we may be saved from hell. And God validated that Jesus is the Christ by raising him from the dead. Repent and believe and be saved. The kingdom of heaven is real. Hell is real. Jesus is the one who decides who enters the kingdom and who will go into hell. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, God, for the Bible. That it is a light to men. That it is a compass uh, to guide our path in difficult times and in good times. I pray, God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, these words are convicting. I pray for those listening now and even those that will listen later uh, that you would convict all of us, uh, convict them, convict me uh, just of the sin, uh, the righteousness and the judgment of God that is coming on this world, that we would accept Christ as our savior, that we would turn away from sin and that we would be saved in Christ. That is my prayer. I pray also, God, that you. Keep us safe as we go out into our work week, uh, that you would bring people for us to minister to, uh, that we would have opportunities to share the gospel and put our faith on display. So please keep us safe, Father, and bring us back uh, next week. In all these things, we honor you, we give you the glory, and we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, folks. Have a good day.